Hi everyone, it is now 5 p.m. on this Wednesday evening in Kingston, and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, www.cfrc.ca. Welcome to this week's segment of Today in YGK with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in YGK brings you need-to-know news about what's going on right here in our beautiful city of Kingston. From current news, special segments, and interviews with some amazing guests, I'm sure you'll find something of interest that gets you to tune in. If you have any news to share, be sure to contact me via email at news at cfrc.ca. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, and you're tuned into Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM. I hope that you're having a lovely day so far. I'm your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in our virtual studio with me, I have Darcy and Monica with us, who will be talking with us about turtle egg conservation in the Kingston region. So let's welcome Darcy and Monica onto CFRC. Before we get into the interview, would you folks just mind introducing yourself for us? Yeah, so my name is Darcy. I'm a fourth year biology student and a studies minor. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm from Ottawa. Hi, I'm Monica Cetus, and I'm Darcy's partner in our project. I'm a fifth year student doing a major in bio and minor in English. I took an extra year to finish up courses, and I'll be doing my final year of concurrent education next year. And with all this beautiful weather, it's all smiles for me over here. <laughs> awesome. Um, so you're both a part of um, Students for Turtle Egg Conservation, which is a group that aims to stop turtle poaching in the Eastern Ontario region. Um, so what sort of projects does the organization do to help this mission? Yeah, so our informal group was developed as a term project for our fourth year conservation biology seminar. So our main project goals have been to raise funds for regional organizations that work to protect turtle nests and to raise awareness about this issue of wildlife poaching in the Kingston and Queens community. So our goal, we really just want to reach as many people as possible using Instagram, our website, our GoFundMe and other outreach components like being on the show today. Mm And our website is full of a lot of uh, informational links and resources to the most accredited turtle researchers and NGOs in Eastern Ontario. Our Instagram is a really fun spot to check out lots of adorable pictures of native turtles from a first person lens. (laughs) And our GoFundMe is where anyone is able to donate to help us raise funds for our donations to Turtle Guardians, which is the project beneficiary. Awesome. And what exactly is Turtle Guardians for people who may not have heard about them before? Yeah, Turtle Guardians is an organization located in Halliburton, and they uh, work with turtles and conserving the species in Ontario. Um, And they're open all through summer and spring, and they basically just care for the turtles of volunteer opportunities. Awesome. Um, And like you said, you currently have a fundraiser on GoFundMe to prevent poaching. So I'm just curious as to what this money will go towards. Yeah, our fundraising money will go to the Turtle Guardians organization in Halliburton that we mentioned. And this organization um, does wonderful work with turtles. So our donations will be allocated to several things that they do. So for example, um, their youth education program on turtle conservation. Um, They also will be installing road signs and tunnels that will help 
turtles safely cross roads. Um, they also will carry out their research efforts, which report areas where turtles are nesting, living, and also crossing roads. And like they also do other things, such as monitoring the nest during the spring and summer. So that will help protect turtle hatchlings and increase their survival. So our donation they just be across all of these. We have $410, so we're hoping to make it to 500. So hopefully we can get more donations and keep going from our project. So yeah. Sounds awesome. Um, and, you know, what exactly is the problem regarding turtle poaching for those who may not be aware of how severe the situation is? Like, why is it super important to um, have these resources um, to prevent poaching? Yeah, for sure. The problem with poaching and illegal hunting in Canada is that most people don't really think of it as a significant issue, actually. It's mostly seen as an issue in a lot of subtropical and tropical environments where biodiversity is highest. So, you know, we hear a lot about tiger poaching, but we don't really hear a lot about turtle poaching. Mm -hmm. We're actually in Eastern Ontario, it's a pretty severe issue with a lot of different wildlife. Um, there's a lot of illicit acts against wildlife that for the most part go unsolved because of this problem. Um, so just last August in Kingston, over 300 protected turtle eggs were poached right from their nesting sites. And this was a really huge concern for our native reptile spe species because they're all endangered actually in this area in one form or another. So five out of eight of the turtle species that exist in Ontario right now are found here in Kingston and all five of them are listed as at risk, meaning that they have dangerously low population sizes and are possible to go extinct. Wow. Yeah, it's a big issue. So when a species is disrupted, like 300 eggs, for example, being removed from their natural environment, it can have extremely detrimental impacts on not only the species itself, but all other wildlife that exists around it. And turtles being a keystone species, one that a lot of other organisms are reliant on down the food web, disrupting just one generation of them can impact the entire aquatic ecosystem this extinction could even have a severe domino impact um, on the quality of Ontario's lakes, rivers, shores, and cascade even into other natural environments that we value. So yeah, it is a very big issue. And even though they're just little turtles, it can be a huge concern. <laughs> mm -hmm, definitely. And um, I'm also just, you know, I want to know a little bit more. I'm just going to throw you a random question. Um, how are um, you know, how do turtles essentially like affect other wildlife around it? Like what kind of makes them so like um, important and crucial um, to keeping well, to other wildlife and also like the reliance on the food web and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. So turtles, um, they are keystone species and a lot of the time they'll eat things like phyto and zooplankton, which is little tiny microorganisms in the water. So they're responsible for that. They have a large array of food that they do eat as well. So when one species starts to go extinct or decrease in the natural environment. This is what we talk about a lot in conservation is how one species, if they are no longer around or if their population size changes, the next animal down from that species that would have been being eaten by the turtles will then be impacted. So maybe um, 
a fish species if the turtles eating a fish or fish often eat, or sorry, turtles often eat berries. So maybe even the natural plant life around that ecosystem, they will start to increase and that can just have a huge cascading impact. So turtles will also maintain the um, biomolecular component of the water around the area. So when you take away that component of the wildlife management and all the work that the turtles are basically doing to keep that environment kind of healthy and safe, that would really change the entire habitat that they live in without them being there. So it's huge. It's a huge um, difference not having turtles around. Like in Kingston, we have all of our uh, inlets where there's lots of turtle love and those habitats are just the way that they are because of the turtles living there and existing and reproducing. Mm -hmm. Also, if I could just add to that, um, yeah, sure. turtles like, so Darcy mentioned that they're super important to our ecosystem and all, but also um, they are really um, important because they go from water to land. They're one of um, the only organisms that do that all the time. So they're constantly cycling nutrients between those different habitats. And so it kind of keeps our ecosystems healthy and makes sure that all, all the different organisms are getting what they need. And they're also um, really important in cleansing our water systems. They do a lot of work of uh, getting rid of maybe like toxins and things in the environment. So they kind of mm -hmm. help with pollution and other things like that. So that's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, I personally didn't know that. And it's so cool, you know, like, like you folks were saying, it's such a small little cute animal. And who knew that they were so like important and crucial to um, the environment around them and stuff for sure. So how can people get involved to help save the turtles and contribute, um, even if it's on their own or directly with your organization? Um, yeah, how can people help? Oh my gosh, there are so many things you can do to get involved. So First of all, you could definitely donate to our page because we love donations. <laughs> um, and you could also uh, donate to other local or even global turtle organizations helping to protect turtles. Um, you can also volunteer at several different parks in Ontario, such as at the place that we'll be donating, Turtle Guardians. They have lots of volunteer opportunities that train individuals on how to monitor turtle nests and then you could watch them breeding season. So most of the work would be outdoors. And if you love being outdoors and animals, then that would be a great opportunity. And also some of the opportunities also hold education sessions for children and young individuals. So if you like kids, you could volunteer and help in that way. And usually these kinds of volunteer opportunities with turtles require, require an application process, but I'm sure if you're passionate about turtles and nature, then you would be a great candidate. Um, and you could also spread the word and follow our Instagram page to get your friends, families, and more of the community involved. So there's a lot of different things with donating and volunteering. And you, even if uh, you weren't into a site or organization that seemed to fit you, you could always start your own organization or GoFundMe just like Darcy and I did within the few months of our project. So yeah, there's lots of great things you could do. Awesome. Um, is there anything else that you folks would like to add before we end off? donate to our fundraiser, you can find us by searching Students for Turtle Egg Conservation on GoFundMe or by clicking the link in our bio on our Instagram, which is at turtle eggs underscore conservation. Yeah, and we also really enjoyed doing this project. Both Darcy and I have learned so much about turtle poaching and 
we hope the public will reach out to learn as well. And we just wanna remind you guys that together we are stronger in helping spe species survive. So anything and anyone can help, especially like this radio. So thank you so much, Alex. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yes, of course. It was my absolute pleasure. And I hope that this was informative to, well, not only myself, but also everyone else tuned in and listening. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That was an interview with Darcy and Monica of Turtle Eggs Conservation in Kingston. For more information, be sure to visit them on Instagram, turtleeggs underscore conservation. You can also donate to their GoFundMe link that's in their bio. Thanks so much, folks, for tuning in, and we'll be back with some more news updates for you. We're back and you're tuned into Today in YGK on ZFRC 101.9 FM. We have a few news updates for you folks today. The City of Kingston Arts Council has launched the first round of its new Resiliency Grants initiative that will support individual professional artists to continue to work and work safely in their artistic practice. Individual professional artists of any discipline can apply for a grant of $1,000 or $2,000. Local professional artists are encouraged to submit their applications by the deadline, which is May 4th, 2021 at 5 p.m. There will be two more application intake periods for the Resiliency Grant Stream in both June 2021 and October 2021. Applicants who do not receive a grant may apply again in the next intake period. Artists may only receive one Resiliency Grant in 2021. Applications can be submitted online through the Kingston Arts Council website. All applicants are encouraged to review complete guidelines and eligibility information on the website and contact grants at artskingston.ca if they have any questions. Applications will be reviewed by KAC staff against an eligibility checklist and eligible applicants will be approved for funding on a first-come, first-served basis in each intake period. In the first intake period, the amount available is $40,000. In 2021, Kingston City Council allocated an additional $200,000 in one-time funding to the City of Kingston Arts Fund in re recognition of the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. This funding will be distributed through resiliency grants for individual artists and ADAPT grants for individual artists, collectives, ad hoc groups, and nonprofits arts organizations. The ADAPT stream will, be, will launch in June 2021, and more information is available on the KAC website, which is just artskingston.ca. The city is launching the Neighborhood Tree Planting Program to encourage you to plant trees on your property to help grow Kingston's tree canopy. Troy Stubinski, Operations Manager of Public Works, says that we're offering trees to property owners at discounted prices as part of our plan to double Kingston's tree canopy by 2025. Trees provide shade, help property owners save on cooling costs, remove pollutants from groundwater, and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Plus, they'll make our neighborhoods more beautiful. Property owners can purchase up to two trees per property from 10 different varieties for pickup in September. Coniferous trees are $10 and deciduous trees are $17, HST included. The trees will be available on a first-come, first-served basis while supplies last. Orders can be placed online at cityofkingston.ca slash neighborhood trees. Ordered trees will be available for pickup at 2709 Creekford Road in September. Deciduous trees will be about 4 meters tall and 0.5 meters wide and weigh 9 to 18 kilograms, which is 20 to 40 pounds. Coniferous trees will be about 1 meters tall and 0.5 meters wide and weigh 18 kilograms, which is 14 pounds.
Please review the tree planting guidelines ahead of ordering to ensure that you have a good spot on your property to grow your tree. A brochure with the guidelines and program details is also available online. Enhancing and expanding green spaces, protecting wetlands, and increasing the tree canopy is one of the city's strategic priorities. The city and its community partners are now accepting applications for $1.5 million in grants through four programs aimed at supporting local businesses, not-for-profits, recreation organizations, as well as artists. These grants are all about supporting local businesses, organizations, and artists experiencing hardship due to the pandemic. A great deal of collaboration has gone into this effort. We are, of course, all keen to see these groups recover from the pandemic and thrive so they can continue to contribute their energies and efforts to our community, says Mayor Brian Patterson. You can learn more about available pandemic grant programs and see if your organization is eligible by visiting cityofkingston.ca slash business. There's the Kingston Pandemic Business Recovery Grant, in which $600,000 has been allocated by Council to support business recovery and will be administered by the Kingston Economic Development, which has allocated an additional $500,000. Applications have been opened since April 6th. The city-administered program, which is called the Recreation Relief Fund, offers a total of $100,000 in one-time grants to help address needs of local minor sports, non-profit sports, as well as recreation organizations experiencing hardships. Applications are also open April 6th. The Community Investment Fund, administered by the United Way of KFLNA, has been augmented with $100,000 in city funding, making a total of $320,000 available to eligible applicants in 2021. It provides one-time grants of up to $25,000 to social service programs, projects, or small capital expenditures to nonprofit organizations in the community. Information on applications will be available April 26th. And then... There's the King City of Kingston Arts Fund Resiliency and ADAPT grant programs, which we just discussed. The allocation of the grant funds will take place over the next several months. All applicants must be located within Kingston as these funds, allocated through the city's working fund reserve, have been generated by Kingston taxpayers. All application processes will be competitive, and, as with all other grant programs, there is normally more demand than supply of funds, so the submission of applications does not guarantee approval. The second annual Tampon Tuesday donation drive collected over 120,000 menstrual hygiene products during the United Way's two-week donation drive. Community members were encouraged to donate pads, tampons, liners, and other menstrual hygiene products to help fill a need in the Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington area. During this year's drive, from March 2nd until March 16, 2021, 128,957 pieces were collected through product and financial donations, according to a release from United Way of KFL&A dated Tuesday, March 30th. Over 80,000 products were donated and the financial donations totaled more than $9,000. Those funds were used to purchase more products, the United Way said in the release. The 2020 Tampon Tuesday Drive saw 45,000 hygiene products were donated and distributed to agencies and individuals in need in the community. Thank you to everyone who dropped off donations, ran workplace or neighborhood donation drives, ordered online, and gave monetary donations, said Bhavana Varma, President and CEO of United Way KFLNA. And a special thanks to all the partners who made the drive possible. Our community stepped up once again and showed their local love. Thank you.
The donation drive was made possible through partnership with Bell Media, National Tampon Tuesday Partner, local labor partners, Shoppers Drug Mart, and the Egg Farmers of Ontario. The United Way offers a special thanks to all Kingston Shoppers Drug Mart stores, Secure Financial, and Shermare Spa locations for acting as drop-off locations. Products have now been counted and sorted, and the United Way said that they will be distributed in the coming weeks to various agencies in the community, including the Boys and Girls Club, Dawn House, Elizabeth Fry Society of Kingston, Girls Inc., HIV AIDS Regional Services Mobile Services, the Integrated Care Hub, Home Base Housing, Rise 149, In From the Cold, KCHC Pathways to Education, KHSC Detox, Kingston Interval House, Kingston Youth Shelter, L&A Interval House, Lunch by George, Maltby Centre, Martha's Table, Partners in Mission Food Bank, Resolve Counseling Centers, Rural Frontenac Community Services, Southern Frontenac Food Bank, Street Health, and the St. Vincent de Paul Society. The story is by Jessica Foley, the Kingstonist for the Local Journalism Initiative. Food banks across Canada, the United States, and Australia are taking part in Give 30, a unique grassroots volunteer-run initiative combating hunger during Ramadan. Give 30 was founded in 2012 to bring attention to hunger in our communities and encourage people of all backgrounds to support food banks during the month of Ramadan through Give30.org, according to a joint release from Give 30 and the Partners in Mission Food Bank. The initiative now supports 19 major food banks and anti-poverty organizations across Canada, the United States, and Australia, which together serve hundreds of thousands of people. The campaign locally, organized through the Kingston Islamic Society, supports the Partners in Mission Food Bank annually. Last year, the challenge of lockdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic resulted in an early campaign launch to ease the unexpected and increased need brought to local food banks. Through generous donations from community members who came together to help neighbours in need during this challenging time, Give 30 Kingston raised a grand total of $16,000 and $231 for Partners in Mission Food Bank. This total far exceeds anything that has been raised in past Give 30 campaigns in Kingston, according to campaign organisers. Through this and other campaigns, Dan Irwin, Director of Partners in Mission Food Bank, was confident the food bank would be able to meet the needs of the community for 2020. As a Give 30 founder, Ziad Mia states in his national message, the virus has shown us that we are one human family, inextricably connected, interdependent, and in this together. This is the eight year for Give 30 Kingston and their second campaign during the COVID-19 pandemic. This past year, more than ever, has emphasized that there are those who are struggling in our neighborhoods, says Mona Raham. Said Mona Rahman, co-chair of the Give 30 Team Kingston. Hunger is not an over there problem. It's a problem everywhere, even in Kingston. Ramadan is about giving, building community, and understanding the challenges of hunger that others face, says Imam Abdul Rashid, Michael Taylor, co-chair of the Give 30 Team Kingston. That is why it works so well at motivating people to give. Everyone can participate in the spirit of Ramadan, Taylor emphasized. Give 30 is not about any one group or faith. It's about uniting in common humanity. Hunger and poverty know no race, religion, ethnicity, creed, gender, or age. And that is why it is important for everyone to join Give 30. This year, members of the Kingston Muslim Youth are organizing an inter-school competition encouraging secondary schools to raise funds for Partners in Mission Food Bank via Give30, according to the release. You can stay updated through their account at Kingston underscore Muslim underscore youth. 
Other groups and businesses are encouraged to get creative and join the Give 30 campaign to help partners in Mission Food Bank fight hunger in Kingston. The story is by Jessica Foley of the Kingstonists for the Local Journalism Initiative. To mark Dig Safe Month, Utilities Kingston reminds residents who might be planning to dig anywhere on their property to contact Ontario One Call at least a week before you dig. It's the law. Karen Santucci of Utilities Kingston says that people staying home due to COVID-19 are pursuing more outdoor improvement projects and this comes with increased risk. It's as important as ever for people to remain vigilant and exercise caution when digging or excavating. She cautions that some pipes and lines are just below the surface and that now more than ever, we need to put safety first. Open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Ontario One Call is a free service that shows you where municipal gas lines, water and sewer mains, and electrical or fiber optic lines are located on your property. You can call 1-800-400-2255 or go to www.ontariooncall.ca to make your locate request. Ontario One Call will need the address where the digging will take place, including the nearest intersection, a description of the work being done, and your phone number and email address. Severed underground lines could cause explosions, electrocution, flooding, and or a loss of essential services, and you could be liable for restoration costs and potential legal action. The Ontario Regional Common Ground Alliance, in conjunction with the Canadian Common Ground Alliance, have designated April as Dig Safe Month. This month is dedicated to raising awareness of safe digging practices across Canada to improve safety and reduce damages to underground infrastructure. Queen's University researchers from the BD Water Research Centre are collaborating with universities and utility companies across Ontario to launch the Wastewater Surveillance Initiative. The project, which is coordinated and funded by the Ontario Ministry of the Environment, Conservation and Parks, will determine how wastewater surveillance for SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, can be used in combination with clinical data to help proactively inform public health decision-making and protect our communities. Through the collaborative efforts of scientists, engineers, and epidemiologists, wastewater surveillance of COVID-19 RNA has rapidly evolved. The SARS-CoV-2 virus has been found in stool from people who are symptomatic, presymptomatic, and asymptomatic, and traces of the SARS-CoV-2 virus can be found in wastewater. By monitoring sewage samples, it may be possible to identify early presence of COVID-19 in a community before increases in clinical cases are detected, to optimize allocation of testing resources, and to identify trends in transmission for better predictive models for this as well as future outbreaks. There has been a real all-hands-on-deck call across Queen's University with the COVID-19 pandemic, says Stephen Brown, Associate Professor with the Department of Chemistry and School of Environmental Studies and Co-Director of the Queen's WSI program. This wastewater surveillance initiative has provided an opportunity for wastewater researchers and the BWRC to contribute to the community response. The BWRC team, in partnership with Utilities Kingston and in coordination with Kingston Frontenac Lennox and Addington Public Health, has started sampling sewage at the inlet to wastewater treatment facilities in Kingston. Samples are then transported to the BWRC at Queen's University, where they are analyzed for the SARS-CoV-2 RNA using the same reverse transcriptase polymerase chain reaction technology that is the gold standard for clinical testing. Additional wastewater treatment facilities and other sites in the region will be added as the project proceeds. Sarah Jane Payne, who's assistant professor in civil engineering and co-director of the WSI at Queen's states that the COVID-19 challenge has brought new emphasis on wastewater-based epidemiology. This initiative will provide Queen's University with an opportunity to establish a foothold in this important, the emerging research area and primus to meet future challenges.
Utilities Kingston started collecting samples for SARS-CoV-2 analysis starting June 2020, and those samples were stored frozen by the BWRC group in anticipation of later analysis capacity being available. Now that the group has joined the WSI and established the methods for detection and sewage, analysis of archived samples has commenced. The purpose is to determine the correlation between sewage monitoring results and the known past COVID-19 case history to help understand the expected relationship going forward. Results will be communicated through KFL and Day Public Health shortly. Samples are collected at the start of the wastewater treatment process at both the Ravensview and Cataraqui Bay wastewater treatment plants, contributing to a shared goal of protecting public health from COVID-19, says Jim Keach, president and CEO of Utilities Kingston, who added, We are pleased to work with Queen's University to analyze these samples and develop a baseline for our community. The Ministry of the Environment, Conservation and Parks is investing over $12 million into the COVID-19 Wastewater Surveillance Initiative to test wastewater samples taken from communities across the province. The Ministry is partnering with academic and research institutions in Ontario and in cooperation with various public health units and municipalities to create an integrated initiative that expands wastewater sampling and analysis province-wide. Queen's has received $586,000 to help with this project. That's all the news updates that we have for you folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to today in YGK. We hope that you have a great rest of your day, a great rest of your weekend. We hope that you're enjoying the lovely weather that we've had so far. And we also hope that it stays up for the rest of the week. Anyway, thank you again so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez. And don't go anywhere because we have Campus Beat coming up next right here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Thank you for listening to Today in YGK, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.